Where can we debate today's big issues without getting attacked for speaking our minds? 1A provides a safe, smart place for tough conversations every weekday, and the Friday News Roundup breaks down the week's top stories. I'm Joshua Johnson. Check out the 1A podcast on the NPR One app or wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, y'all. Sam Sanders here. It's been a minute. It's Tuesday, which means it's time for our deep dive of the week. And today I'm talking to Eliza Schlesinger. She's one of my favorite comedians of the moment. And we talked about her new book. It's called Girl Logic, The Genius and the Absurdity. It's Eliza's take on why women do what they do and how she finds humor in that. It's the same stuff that she tackles a lot in her comedy. So, a bit about Eliza. She was the first woman to win NBC's last comic standing. That was back in 08. And since then, she has put out three big comedy specials. Uh, there was one in 2013, one in 2015, and one last year in 2016. They're all on Netflix. Uh, also, Eliza is currently on tour with new material. So, she works the hard. Thankfully, we found some time to talk in person. We met up last week at NPR Studios in New York. And Eliza brought her dog, Blanche, the second cutest dog in the world, second to my own. Uh, but yeah, Blanche was adorable and a sweetheart. Anyways, let's get to it. Here's me with Eliza Schlesinger. Her new book is called Girl Logic. Enjoy. Blanche is chillaxed. She's passed out. She's not even here. Hey, girl. Does she ever bark? Uh, if someone knocks at a door, she'll bark. Or if you don't, if you ignore her while you're eating, she'll be uh. like, hey, I'm down here. <laughs> so I, I guess my first question for you is like, you are a working comic. Mm -hmm. You work at night. I work at night. How I the hell did you swing a 9 a.m. interview and you were on time? Yes. How uh, did you do this? Being on time is very important to me. I why? think I, part of why I wrote this book was we always paint women with these broad strokes, especially yes. in their 30s of like, yes. you know, martinis at noon, pizza, hungover, can't adult today. And I'm like, oh, I was up at six to <laughs> depuff my face for 630 to be on a phone interview at eight to be here by nine. And you I, did it. And we did it. And, you know, uh, and, and that required last night, you know, not doing something mm -hmm. fun because I had to get that sleep. I just think this is, you know. If people are taking the time to interview me like yourself or the billion interviews we have today, yeah. you do the respect of showing up. You're not going to push my book if I'm not interested in it. There you go. I think it's all about respect for your art and the people that are taking time out of their day yeah. to yeah. do that for yeah. you. Well, and it's like there's this whole cottage industry of calling doing that stuff like adulting. It's like, no, it's just like what you're supposed to do. It's just earning taxes and paying them <laughs> That's what you're yeah. supposed to. I definitely have the kind of. I could show up drunk and stoned and high, and it would be okay because I'm a comic. Yes, but that's not who I am. That's not you. It just isn't. Which is funny because like a lot of your comedy mm -hmm. deals with <laughs> the party goblin inside of us all, which is a hot mess that doesn't like to adult. Doesn't like to it to do it. Uh, the party goblin. I think why people like her so much is she lives in all of us, and you're all <laughs> we're all allowed that. Night, maybe it's yeah. once a week. You know, you're where you're just like, I didn't think that party was going to happen, and oh my and god, I ate the whole thing. Yeah. For those that have never heard, Party Goblin. Party Goblin is this uh, creature that lives. In, it's like this alter you that's inside of all of us, and it's that night where you don't think anything's going to happen. You're like, I'm having all these drinks. This is boring, and it's that switch that gets flipped where your night goes from like snore to oh my god, we <laughs> left the state, <laughs> uh, and. It's just this interview, and you like the next day you wake up and you're like, my party goblin got me. Yeah. It's the voice that's like, do that fifth fireball shot, go with that guy, <laughs> eat that hot dog off the floor. Um, 
And she doesn't say much. She just kind of says, like, okay, yeah, okay. Like, you can ask her anything. Oh, yeah. Okay. Let's okay. do it. She, she yeah. crouches over. I do. She's crouching over. She's got a snaggle tooth, a tiara, <laughs> a solo cup, a red solo cup for a, a crown. And she's, uh, I just love her so much because she, she just wants what's best for you in the worst way. I At 34, that. I don't see her as much as I used to. Okay. But she's do you, around. Do you miss her? No, I don't miss her. Okay. Because I like I like not having bags under my eyes. There's that. Yeah. There's that. <laughs> Let's talk about the book. It's called Girl Logic. Yes. Girl Logic is a theory that you lay out in the book, I suppose. What is Girl Logic? So women are expected to be so many things to so many people at once. Mm-hmm. Um, in one stride, you are expected to be sexual but demure, out there but conservative, a good daughter, a good sister, mother, wife, by whatever expectations those are Uh, at work. Maybe you're supposed to be ball busting, but also being respectful, but also standing up for yourself, but also staying quiet. They're so, we're such complicated creatures and we are expected to do and be so many things from so many people. And that factors into the way that we intake uh, stimuli and process all of the things that we have to do all day. and so people are always like, just do you, live your life. And it's like when you're a woman, it's not that easy because yes. other people's expectations can have drastic effects on your life. So this is all about considering past, present, and future and every tiny decision we make and how we do it effortlessly in order to navigate life. Yeah. And I love how you outline in the book in a way that I just don't think about as a guy – Simple decisions that women have to make every day are actually very complex because there's so many variables involved. Like, mm-hmm. it's not just do I have this slice of pizza or not. Right. It's like, do I look cool if I eat the pizza? <laughs> it's really cool you know, the pizza. can these jeans accommodate the pizza if I eat it? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I'm, I boil it down to pizza. So that's more, sort of my like one plus one equals two example. <laughs> uh, but the pizza one's a great one because, yes, there are days where you're like, I'm starving, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. I'm going to eat that cake. But. Yeah. In general, you know, and that kind of goes back to the age-old debate, men and women, like, what do you want for dinner? And it becomes World War III. Yeah. It's not that women are choosing to be difficult. Not only do you – and this is not always, but this and is not an all example. Women. And not, and not all, all women. Right, yes. which in this day and age we have to have that disclaimer. <laughs> yeah. This might not be you, but exactly. it's my journey. Yeah. <laughs> do I want pizza? Okay. Am I on a diet? Did I eat pizza already? Am I feeling bloated? Am I wearing a swimsuit later? Am I going to the gym later? Did I already go to the gym? You're just factoring in things. And the aesthetic – aspect of being a woman does play a big part into it because it does affect how you're judged and yes. you can completely disregard that but or discard that rather but uh it it is a factor yeah. um and we ha- and we like to think about that so that's sort of a boilerplate example of it so you're factoring in all these things uh in order to get the best version last time i had pizza i got sick or oh, maybe i have a dairy mm-hmm. allergy i don't want my cause, like my nose to run my nose runs <laughs> yeah. when i eat uh, cheese. Um, oh, that's a hard life. I don't care. I eat the cheese. <laughs> and all girls, and by the way, I'm not inventing this. I'm simply <laughs> commenting on what I've experienced. And yes. I think comedy, when it comes from an authentic place, it works. so it's coming from love. Yes. Like the flatbread stuff. Yes. I have been the girl that's like, let's just order a flatbread and split a soda. Like, do you want to split it? <laughs> and it's me saying, I'm not better than you. I am that girl too. I and eat the flatbread. how I know you exist. Also, screw flatbread. It's pizza. It's Pizza! Flatbread is pizza, and wraps are just sad burritos. Absolutely. Wraps are just cheeseless burritos. Yes! Non-Latino burritos. <laughs> so yes. that, you know, those things factor in, I had another point, but to... And, and we do this in a, in a microsecond. And this also, you also have to take into account, women have these fantasies about what dinner was going to be like that night. Huh. All girls have this thing where you get like a feeling. You're like, you know what? I'm feeling sexual today. And then you... <laughs> 
you imagine this version of a restaurant that you've never heard of. You're like, it's tapas, but there's candles. But it's like Mexican inspired, but there's like fun French food. But it's like Spanish because the plates are small, but there's Christmas lights. And you know, and you have this night plan and your boyfriend's like, do you want to grab pizza? And then you're like, I had I, I had a whole idea. I had dreams. About how I was going to look eating the pizza and what you were going to say to me. And you looked different. Mm-hmm. And that's because of this constant inundation of what our lives are supposed to look mm-hmm. like from from media. Uh, so you're taking into account all these things at all yeah. times. It's never just pizza. It's, it's never just pizza. Unless it's like you're drunk, then it's just pizza. Then it's just pizza. Then, then it's, it's just, just give me the pizza. pizza. <laughs> <laughs> it's a really interesting time to have a book about the way women think and see the world when we're having these big conversations yes. about men and the way they think and see the world and their lack of logic in a lot of situations. I'm thinking about Weinstein. I'm thinking about Kevin Spacey. I'm thinking yeah. about, hell, there's a VP in our newsroom that got caught up in some allegations recently and got fired. Sure. What's it been like to put this book out into the world at a time when a lot of the conversation has been about men behaving badly towards women? You know, these are things I've been talking about in my stand-up dating back to Freezing Hot, which was the second special, and then Confirmed Kills, my most recent one, and just women's fear and sort of talking about that and touching on that. I do believe... You have to have men to have feminism. Without hmm. men agreeing, yes, we should treat women well, then it's just women arguing with each other. You know, Black Lives Matter is a great example. If white people don't get that, yeah. then it's just black Let's people yes. saying Black Lives Matter, right? Yeah. So you need the opposition to agree with you to make hmm. to further your agenda. Okay. So you need men. And, and a great way to bring men in, and I enjoy doing this in my comedy, is explaining my point of view yeah. in a non-confrontational way. I'm not, I don't hate all men. This book is a love letter to women, and it's inviting men in to, yeah. so you can see it. And I think in doing that from a perspective of love and intelligence and ex- explanation, guys want to hear a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But when you get up there and you're like, I'm a feminist, men are disgusting, then that makes good guys even be like, you know what? I don't care what you have to say. So in dealing with what's happening right now, these are not new concepts, the yeah. harassment, rape, all these things. And these are not new things women are having to deal with. Yeah. We're finally getting not so much the strength, but the numbers hmm. to be able to come out and say, "I this happened to me mm-hmm. and have someone listen. Mm-hmm. Um, so this book is at times about inner strength and yeah. my personal struggles with being perceived in a certain way because mm-hmm. of that strength, because I refuse to back down. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it's received in a good way and sometimes it's not. But... You know, as a woman, I think what we're getting from this time is, you know, your story is yours and you have a right to your life. Yeah. And to, you know, and that's, you know, we say, yeah, but I think a lot of women feel shamed. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of the shaming also comes from other women. A big theme of this book is what if, and by the way, there's a lot of judging in my book, but one (laughs) of the themes is what if we just let women be? What if you didn't judge someone for their parenting skills? Or, you know, what if you just walked up and said hi and gave a compliment? Yeah. Just giving that chance and realizing yeah. that women don't have to be your enemy, which is a paradigm sort of created by men. Because yeah. <laughs> a lot of times men are just kind of like, all right, dude, you're cool. Right. We, I'm not, I don't speak for all men, but I feel you like. You are today. Today I am. The men. But we walk through the world less looking for male enemies, I think. I'm, Absolutely. I'm, it's like, you're just a dude. That's a dude. Don't think about it. That's a dude. That's a dude. And for women, it's like like an animal just like spotting another animal. Like, what is she wearing? What does she have that I don't have? How is she going to take what I have from me? And this becomes, this is a constant thing. And it's, I say it's constant, but it's not for every single woman. But we judge. And sometimes 
it's a nice judgment sometimes. I scan a woman. I'm like, oh my god, she looks amazing. Mm-hmm. And I'll walk up and I'll just say, you, you have look beautiful amazing. hair. Yeah. It's nice to do. It makes yes. the other. And I close the book by saying, you know, pay a woman a compliment, knowing she took as long to get ready as you did. <laughs> we all share this heart, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. And giving women that opportunity and. I do think, you know, women love to say this, like, there's enough to go around. There isn't. (laughs) However, if we can teach the women in our lives, if we can teach our daughters that you have something special and no one can take that away, Mm -hmm. when you have true confidence, you aren't threatened. Mm -hmm. When you have true confidence in your ability, you bring in other women. You want to help people because you know they can't steal your light because it's yours. And that is easier said than done. And it takes a long time to realize that. Uh, briefly, just before we wrap up the the Weinstein portion of this conversation, sure. you, the book uh, is published through Weinstein Books. Happy to talk about this. And you've talked about how you're not going to let his drama stop your shine. <laughs> Explain stop that to me. Yeah. So this book was initially, you know, and I've been working on it for about a year and a half with yeah. Weinstein Books. Yeah. I've never met Harvey Weinstein. I, yeah. you know, Be glad. Uh, right. For, for <laughs> sure. Definitely now. Yeah. Uh, happy for that. And... <laughs> when the story came out, I was like, my luck, selfishly. <laughs> that happened. And so my book is actually the last book to have the Weinstein insignia Whoa. on it. So I was like, I was talking about this yesterday. I liken it to like when your grandfather like brought home some Nazi dinnerware from the war. <laughs> like somewhere in some people's houses, there's like a plate with a swastika <laughs> on it. You're like, isn't this cool? Like they don't make this anymore. So I've got this print, this run of this first edition has the Weinstein W on it. Side note, she's Jewish. It's fine. It's totally fine <laughs> to mention the word swastika. Um, so, yeah, so that happened. And, I, you know, I released a statement to say I completely condemn what he did. It's disgusting. But Weinstein books, as it was, it was two women. It wasn't huh. a huge conglomerate. It was, a, you know, a small yeah. company. So you were working with one. women doing this book. I was working with women. And I said... Why would I ever allow his deplorable actions to overshadow this strong, friendly, feminist, amazing message that's yeah. in the book? Yeah. So it's another example of a man, a man doing something horrible and a woman paying the price, yep. as you said. So that was big for me. And I was like, I'm not going to back down, especially when I've done nothing wrong. Nothing. And so it, now it's Hachette books and we won't speak of the dead. <laughs> <laughs> All right, time for a quick break. When we come back, Eliza will talk about something near and dear to me growing up in Texas. Also, wokeness and being woke and how she deals with that in her comedy, even though, as she says, she's a bit tired of hearing that term. Spoiler alert, me too. All right, we'll be right back. Support for this podcast and the following message come from WordPress.com. Creating your website on WordPress.com helps your customers find you, remember you, and connect with you. At WordPress.com, you'll find hundreds of beautiful designs, the ability to add a custom domain name, and features that make your business more visible online. WordPress offers 24-7 customer service if you need help. Get 15% off your new website today at WordPress.com slash minute. Some people like to look at the world through rose-colored glasses. I prefer the lens of the social sciences. There's more than one of you in there. It's almost literally unimaginable. I'm Shankar Vedantam, host of Hidden Brain. Each week, we ask the questions, what does it mean to be human, and why do we do what we do? Listen along as we find the answers. So we are both Texans. Where are you from? I'm from outside of San Antonio. Okay. Like... One, we Texans are everywhere. 
I'm everywhere. We are everywhere. Like, yeah. everywhere I go, I meet some Texans. I love it. Like, how much of your Texas upbringing still influences you? Or does it? Um, You're I from think Dallas, right? I am from Dallas. Dallas area. I'm from, no, I'm did from I Dallas. Did I read Plano in the book? I, I, I did attend Plano Public Schools for middle school, but okay. make no mistake. Dallas. Dallas. <laughs> uh, it's like if you're from New York and they're like, oh, Staten Island? You're like, Manhattan. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, I think, I don't know. Um, that's a good question. I, You know, you grow up in Texas. There's sports everywhere. There's what's attractive. I think our childhoods stay with us to an extent. Mm-hmm. So I'll always think blonde hair is the way. <laughs> is the way to go. Yeah. Um, I'm Jewish. So it's not like I grew up like roping cattle or anything. Uh because I don't want people, like, I think you can look at me and be like, oh, she was a head cheerleader. Mm-hmm. Yes, ma'am. No, no, no. My parents are like New York Jews. Um, what brought them to Texas? It's called an immigration. In the 80s, a lot of people were moving from the East Coast hmm. to places like Dallas because hmm. land was cheap and yeah. there was industry and things like that. Yeah, yeah. Um, I only know it's called an immigration because I researched it when I wrote a pilot about it. It did not go. Um, so <laughs> I don't know. There's like a... a it isn't as if other people don't have this, but, you know, a fondness of country music, at least for me. Yeah. And you know what's so strange? After the Las Vegas shooting, mm-hmm. and I love country music, I yeah. haven't had the desire to listen to really? it. Really? In the, It's this like almost like when you stop eating sugar for a little bit, then you don't want it in your and, coffee. And, yeah. I just... Wow. And I, I planned on having it at my wedding, and I listen to it all the time, and ever since then, it just really? feels... It went from feeling warm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, it's a weird equation in my head. Mm. It just stopped feeling good for some reason. Yeah. Who's your favorite country artist? Uh, oh, there's so many. I really enjoy Miranda Lambert. I don't care what people say. I like Florida Georgia Line. Yeah. Um, and there's, there's a lot. I'm a more song-based than artist-based. Okay. Darius Rucker has some good songs I He's like. Good. Garth Brooks is great. Uh, Carrie Underwood's great. Yeah. Blake Shelton. Like, all these people. Like, all you know, them. and then 90s country. But anyway, but so, I don't know, a healthy respect of sports. Okay. Uh, yeah. <laughs> And you played lacrosse, right? I played lacrosse, not well, but I was on. Were the... you like so? You're like a lax bro. I'm a lax bro. <laughs> I don't. I think women should be in the kitchen cooking. I'm a lax bro. I was a very aggressive player. Really? I don't know. I think growing up in Texas, you know, you are you're in Texas. You mm-hmm. are in it. Like Texas lets you know that. Yeah. And I think it helps a little bit with a respect for people who aren't quite like you when you are a coastal elite, hmm. knowing that not everyone is a slack jawed yokel. Just because you're from the south doesn't mean you're yes. dumb. Yes. Um, and also, you know, being Jewish, being told you're going to hell a lot. Oh, Lord. <laughs> so, but uh, I think Dallas overall is a lovely place to grow up. Yeah. And, and I had a nice, yeah. nice yeah. childhood. You write in the book about not being the coolest person. Yeah. And like people might, see, now? <laughs> people might see you now and be like, you were always a cool girl. And you write at length about how like you weren't. You had a hard time making friends, you said. Yeah. Uh, you were the school mascot <laughs> at one point. In high school, yeah. Yeah, you did improv and mm-hmm. not like this. Like, so you, you were... I love there's just one line where you write in the book, I am nothing like the girl who rejected you. It's really powerful. Thank you. Yeah. It's an interesting thing. You know, people look at any girl who isn't ugly and they're (laughs) like, you must have been a bitch. And it's like, (laughs) you think I got this personality by like rejecting dudes? No. And I by no means was ugly and a dork and rejected. I always thought I was cool. I didn't okay. understand why other kids didn't get on board. <laughs> My whole life, I've been like, I'm dope. Why is nobody getting this? And and by and by virtue of that fact, you know, like, I would be annoyed when, like, cool kids, like, didn't care. But there's always always kids that were like, come sit with us. I'm like, no way. I'm too cool for you. I'd rather sit alone. Oy. I just always sort of, I never said that. I always sort of had just a very clear, I just like, I know I'm not a loser. I know I deserve respect. Mm-hmm. 
Um, and I definitely not as hideous as some people, but I'm definitely, I knew I wasn't as hot as others. And as a woman, you're never allowed to say that. You're never allowed to be like, she's prettier than me. Because mm. people are like, stop it. You're beautiful. I'm like, no, no, no. She's a model. <laughs> that's okay. No, that's Beyonce. Yeah. That's I don't Beyonce. look like her. I never will. <laughs> Try as I might. So I think that have, I'm, I had always had like a healthy self-awareness. Okay. Um, but, you know, I think because we love to paint women with broad brushstrokes, I think especially in Hollywood and L.A., you know, a guy looks at you and because you make him feel insecure, mm. because you carry yourself mm -hmm. with authority, people tend to look at you. We love archetypes. We love mm -hmm. to think jock, nerd, cheerleader, yes. debate team yes. queen or something. Yeah. But really, again, people are complex. Mm -hmm. You can be a jock and president of the math club. You know, like mm -hmm. it, life isn't the breakfast club. Although some days I wish it was. Some days I wish it was. <laughs> uh, I want to be Ali Sheedy and that's so bad and yes. leave with a hot jock. Um, but yeah, so I did. I always wanted to be funny. So I sought out improv wherever I could. Yeah. And I did that. Yeah. Uh, and I would have been a cheerleader, but I missed the tryouts because I thought my family was moving. Oh. And then I didn't get to do it, but I got to be the mascot, which I enjoyed so much more. I wanted to wear the hornet. What was the mascot? It was a, a hornet. hornet. I had a big How heavy stare. was it? How hot was it? It was very hot. <laughs> First time in my life I wore like a do-rag. Like, okay. <laughs> I'm imagining you in a do-rag now. You had to Did do you get the line? I used to wear one for weight. Remember when like black guys had the waves in their hair? Oh, and, yeah. yeah. Remember. And I would they wear, don't do that? I, they still do. Well, no, I don't. Well, not you I don't, don't do obviously. <laughs> but I would do like two of my mother's old stockings with the top cut off and tied up and then the do-rag on top of it. And you'd sleep in it with grease on so you'd wake up with the waves. Then you had that crease. Um, in the forehead. I'm going to go with that is a cultural experience. Yes. Particular to particular you. Particular to me. Uh, I was just experience. sweating. You're just sweating. I will tell you this. My brother, you know, I think at the, we're talking about like not so much appropriation, but, you know, wanting it's to together. be like, yeah. he wo he's white, obviously, and he wore. He could be adopted. We don't know. I have a he's fully white. black brother. <laughs> um, but he would wear. Like, and, he you know, wore a do-rag? You, you know, in high school, like, okay. you know, kind of like that's like the, th that whatever, the thing, whatever, under the, the throwback hat, yeah, whatever. Yeah, with the tag still on it. Yeah, so we had this like, you know, under it, because that's the look. I don't look. think at the time, and especially when you're younger, you don't know, you don't know. why black guys wear that. You just know that they do, yes. and that's cool, and, and you're you cool. And you want to do it too, yes. So he's doing that, and we got in a fight, and I ripped off his hat, and the, it wasn't a wave cap. It was a sleeve from a shirt that he had just put <laughs> over his head. <laughs> For the look of the part around no. your forehead, and it was just sticking straight Stick up, it up like a little like comb. cut, like Bart Simpson. And I, to this day, like <laughs> I take him seriously. He's like a serious. Yes. He, he, you know, he works hard. Whatever. Yeah. He's got a. But that's how I think about my brother. <laughs> me ripping off a hat and be like, "What is that?" <laughs> I love it. There's I hope no way he knows what NPR is, so it's okay. <laughs> so walk me out of Texas, you. You studied and did enough in school to make it look like you were at least trying. Yeah. But you weren't, like, valedictorian. That's mm -mm. fine. Really? I went to a, a really lovely, because of my parents, um, private school. Mm -hmm. So all my friends went to Ivy's and Ivy lookalikes. Mm -hmm. And I thought I might. I might, too. But <laughs> Were your grades up there? Nope. Okay. I just thought I might. Because <laughs> um, I was positive that once I applied, they would see me. They'd and I'd see talk about, about you. They'd yeah. see that I was so smart and mm -hmm. couldn't be confined by the shackles of academia. I needed to roam free. When really, can't do basic algebra. Okay. Still can't. So you, Okay, so you applied to a bunch of schools. You end up in the University place where hell freezes over. Yeah, you, wrote. you did. I love I read the book. I know you. You're very prepared. Uh, University of Kansas. Yes. Where I was sad, I didn't want to go. I okay. I was let down. I didn't get into any of the film schools mm -hmm. I wanted. Did you want to do film? I wanted. I was a film major just because I, to me, that seemed 
like a creative path. Hmm. But you and were doing improv in high school. I did improv because like you're in Dallas, Texas. You're not you can't audition for stuff. You know, <laughs> like maybe yeah. a commercial. But yeah. my mom definitely wasn't down to like. She's like, I have to work. Yeah. Uh, so I just sought out comedy, you know, mm-hmm. and, while giving myself my own education and mm-hmm. writing scripts nice. for my friends and and sketches. And I invite all the girls over. Oh, that's cute. In our like Banana Republic outfits, we would like <laughs> reenact like Cajun Boy from SNL. Like yeah. we would do, and I was always the one bringing them together to do this. Yes. Because I was. You know, we you're want just drawn to, to comedy. Yeah, and you want to get that art out. Yeah. And you want to imitate it and replicate yeah. it and whatever. And so went to KU. I, I made a film there. What's um, the film? Oh, my God. It was called The Stage Manager. And it What's was about, about the emotions in our head that rule us. And Girl logic. Rock girl logic, but it definitely, it, the star was a boy. Okay. And it was, he dies in the end. <laughs> Everybody dies. Uh, Did you like it? I was proud. I was, you know what is so fascinating and I wish... Whenever people talk about children, they're like, kids just think. Childlike sense of wonderment. They just go. And I didn't know the limitations of filming anything. I didn't know what you could and couldn't do. I didn't know about sound design. I taught myself editing. Oh, wow. So I just made this really long film because no one said I couldn't. Yeah. The film club gave me money. Nice. And I I just made it. I just set up the camera. Like, you just do it guerrilla style. And you learn as you go. But when no one tells you you can't, and this is what school's great for, Mm -hmm. Then you just do. Yeah. And I did that with stand-up as well. I just did. Yeah. I j- and that's a big part of it. People always ask, like, well, how can I get started? Just go. Just do it. Uh, Norman Lear, I'm buddies with him, and I read his nice. autobiography, and he always said that his grandma would always say, go no, which means, huh. like, just go. Go huh. do it. Go figure it out. Go experience yeah. it. Yeah. Yeah. I can't believe I just quoted Norman Lear. That's so delightful. That was awesome. My uh, favorite is someone would tell me, there is no secret. Just keep going. Th- it's absolutely true. And when people ask you, can I have, can I pick your brain? I'm like, I can't make you famous. <laughs> yeah, I, I can't, can't give help you a job. Yeah. Just go do it. Just do it. And people always be like, can my sister sit down? She's thinking about comedy. I'm like, talk to me in five years mm-hmm. when you have something that I can critique, critique, or or something that I could actually give you advice on. Yes. Because you don't. What am I going to tell? You haven't done anything yet. You don't know what the. It's it's like. You're going into high school thinking about being a doctor. Can I sit down with a brain surgeon? He's like, why don't you finish your gen eds first? Uh, yeah. So, yeah, you have to just go do it. Yeah, yeah. So you're at Kansas for, what, a year? Then you end up at Emerson? Yeah, and I I, I reapplied to Emerson. Okay. Oh, because you applied the first round. Oh, I applied the first time. Uh, Waited for some of the losers to drop out, uh-huh. and they made room for me. Okay. Um, Did you like Boston? I loved it. Really? I'm going back in a couple weeks uh, to okay. play there. I Boston's a great town to go to school in. It's a lot of students there. A lot of students. Yeah. You have no idea where anyone goes to school because you're just out and about, <laughs> you know. Um, there's so many colleges. It's just fun. And, you know, it's a great starter city. The T, like their, their mm-hmm. I guess their train is super easy to use. Mm-hmm. And because there's a lot of students, it's just when you're out on your own, like it's a good, it's, it's safe. Yeah. You know, it's not. I mean, obviously, tons of kids go to NYU, but like New York City is like belly of the beast, heartbeat, like make it or break it. And Boston, they probably wouldn't like yours, but like it's great. Yeah, and, and, it's and Boston pretends to be a big city. It's not. All right, it's a quaint little not. town. It is. It is very is, small, which is more tolerable. It's easier than like a, a New York. Sure. So you did film. You finished school. Mm-hmm. Did you go right to LA and like I'm doing comedy or what? What happened? Uh, I did a semester at sea. Which is whoa, whoa, whoa! That's a whole hour. It is. Is it is is it as much of a hot mess as I hear it is? Oh, it's so great. Really? I mean, you are a hot mess when you're on it because <laughs> it starts off every day you're jogging, you're working out, and then by the end you're like, why is my face so fat? And it's like, oh, because you're getting <laughs> can in every country. <laughs> and you're with students from other schools. But, you know, yeah. I'm at Emerson in film school. When am I going to meet a kid from Arizona State? You know, but we all, <laughs> you're all together and you're all so close and yeah. you're experiencing 
the world. Yeah. Like the world is at your doorstep. Yes. You are, um, and you're just there. And by the way, some kids get kicked off. Like you have to be safe. Oh, snap. Like they, they tell you on the first day, they're like, if you do drugs in another country, the most we can do for you is bring you magazines when they throw you in jail. Because they're going to throw you in jail. Yeah. They like it's not a joke. Yeah. And, you know, a lot of kids like, oh, my dad's got money. It's like, you know no. who doesn't care? Cuban government. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs> yeah. So, and, you know, you get sort of a healthy respect for other cultures because yeah. you're in them and you see what India looks like. You yeah. see China. You see. And you got to respect it because you're a visitor. You're a visitor. And you, for the first time in my life, and I'd been to Europe before and I'd mm-hmm. traveled, you understand why people call us ugly Americans. Huh. Even just speaking at the volume I'm speaking to you at. It's too loud. So loud. In a Japanese <laughs> subway. So loud. <laughs> Um, so, so you just kind of get, you know, that, yeah. and I did that for a year. I, we would do open mic nights and I started writing observations about. On the boat. Yeah. About I girls and okay. the way that they would talk to the guys on the boat, everything. Uh-huh. They're always, you don't know when you're that young that men should chase you. Huh. So there were these like hot guys that I was friends with and all the girls were always trying to get into their room. They'd what would be they like, say? They'd be like, Hey, did I leave my, did I leave a book in here earlier? I'm like, you know, you didn't leave a book. <laughs> Did I leave my pants? <laughs> Just anything to get in there and be around them. Yeah. Because these guys were like, yeah, I'll take you. Like, whatever. Oh, and they were nice guys. Um, But that voice started there. That girl voice started with mm-hmm. those girls huh. and observing them. And then I made observations that are ship-centric. So those are not jokes that I would do. But I started sort of making fun, like a comic does, of the things around us. Yes. And I took a couple of those jokes. And when I got to L.A., I did something called the L.A. program that Emerson has. Uh, where you do your last semester of school in Los Angeles. Gotcha. And you what part intern. of LA were you in? Where'd you live? Uh, Burbank. Well, oh, technically, mm, it's like this middle earth area between <laughs> Burbank and uh, Hollywood. But uh, you intern, uh-huh. uh, they make you get headshots. Oh. And uh, and then you're in LA, so you kind of ease into it a yeah. little bit. Yeah. And I just started doing, I, got a, I just got a day job, whatever it was. What and was I just, the day job? Uh, the first day, I was a temp, and then I got hired to it was just uh it was i was a copywriter i got promoted to copywriter i was an assistant okay <laughs> and then they let me go and screw them screw them that's fine um i was like can i keep the computer they were like absolutely not <laughs> and then i was an assistant to someone in the marketing department of uh, another company it's not interesting in the slightest but i would spend my days because they it wasn't like a busy office and yeah. i would make i would call comics that were bigger than me really? bigger they just you know had done, done yeah. longer and i'd say can i make your comedy can i make the flyers for your show wow i would do anything i could to get close hoping i could get some stage time yeah. i would make the flyers for them i would spend all day looking up other shows i would submit tapes to comedy contests huh. myspace i won the myspace comic well and side note you ended up winning last, last comic standing eventually yeah yeah but, but I would do you would all just, the, yeah. But people always want, you know, like, how can I get into it? The answer is just carve out something for hmm. yourself. I started running my show, or just a show at a bar. Really? Go to a bar. Which bar? Uh, it was called the Cat Club. It Where was a was famous, that? it was on the Sunset Strip. Okay. Which no one ever went because the parking was impossible. Yeah. It's now Rock and Riley's, if you know anything about Hollywood. Mm-hmm. Uh, but people are always like, what can I do? It's like, just go to a bar and say, hey, what's your slowest night? Can I run a comedy show here? Huh. Give them the door. Don't give them the door. Your objective should not be to make money it's just as much to as perform. to get that stage time. And then you have something to trade yeah. with other comics. Huh. You have like a commodity. Yeah. I became just a regular at the left, at the improv, sorry, and the comedy store. And three years in, I auditioned for that show. And, and then? I won. And then that was the, the rest is, uh, is an okay history. <laughs> <laughs> so you've been in L.A. a few years now, huh? Yeah. Um, I lived there for about two and a half years. Where? And I love Mar Vista. 
Okay. I was a west side. If I had my okay. brothers, I would never go east of the 405. Well, that's funny because I would never go west of the 405. Whoa. See you Look out of my studio. <laughs> <laughs> Vanished. But you had this epic tweet storm a few weeks ago about L.A. Do you remember this? No, because I kind of go into a black hole trance when I'm on an elliptical. I'm like, and another thing! Can I? Okay, keep talking. Oh, I'm I know a, what you're talking yes, about. Yes, you do. Oh. Relive this for me. It's such an, I was so, the tweets were just fire. I don't remember what started it. Okay. Because usually you can see like a root tweet for me. Like I'll be like, someone just did something weird. And then uh-huh. I'm like, uh-huh. like automatic assault rifle verbally. Um, <laughs> I Oh, you know, okay. Yes. You know what started it? What? Okay, so this is a super girly thing, but there is a store. I'm going to give them a plug, even though they didn't respond to my DM, (laughs) called Riley Rose. And it's a Forever 21 company. It's like a Sephora, but at like a lower price point Mm -hmm. with Mm -hmm. a lot more glitter. (laughs) And I heard about it. And like an indulgence of mine, I'm not a huge makeup wearer. I mean, today I am, but I wanted to go. I just want to see what they had. I love Korean face masks. And I was just like, I'm going to go buy them. It's like a candy store for young girls and Uh and me. Um, (laughs) And it's in the Glendale Mall, and I saw Armageddon. Like, I, I can feel it now in my heart. He had to drop me off. Like There were just so many people, and it's just congested, just blocked arteries, cars standing still. Mm-hmm. So I left Blanche. I was like, take my baby. And I left Blanche, and I ran inside. 35, 40 minutes later, I finally get out, and I'm like, where are you? He's like, I'm still looking for parking. <laughs> and I was so angry. I'm like, this should have been a fun, easy thing. Yes, and no. And no, and it was so bad because LA's, LA's big thing is like, we didn't know there was going to be so many people. It's like, okay, it's been this way since the yeah. 70s. Now you know. Figure it out. Figure it out. But do you love LA or do you hate LA? I love LA if you say you hate it and you're not from there. Explain. Uh, everybody's proud of where they're from. Yeah. Um, and when someone craps on it, I always feel like it's out of ignorance or jealousy. If you're from LA and you're and you're on it then I'm like oh totally mm-hmm. it's the worst uh-huh. and we can go into it it's yes. like if someone talks about your sibling you're like yes. I'm allowed to make fun of them not yes. you yes. Um, but I think you know I've made a home out of a very competitive city out of a very scary place yeah and just a massive overwhelming place but I love I don't know there's something I enjoy the mix of it yeah. Like the sort of hippy dippiness of LA uh, yeah. mixed with practicality exactly I love how in LA you can be totally anonymous yeah you can just go somewhere Find a new part of town to explore. Well, it also speaks to how unaware we all are in L.A. Like, what part of town is this? You're like, you pass it every day. Yeah, and you're like, I never knew. Oh yeah. Is this yeah. West Miracle Mile? Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I've seen all three of your specials. Okay. Reading the book, you deal a lot with what it means to be a woman. But the way that you deal with that has kind of changed with yeah. each special. And you've talked about this before. It's it's um, your comedy. Gosh, I hate to use this overused word. But has it gotten a little more woke? Fair enough. Has it? Absolutely. Um, so I started my first special, War Paint, and, you know, I'm late 20s and bouncing around on stage, stomping around on stage, and I'm in it. It's less of a commentary and more I'm in it. Yes. I'm partying every night. Yes. And then Freezing Hot was more of a commentary about girls do X, Y, and Z, mm-hmm. but I'm still in it. I'm mm-hmm. still that girl doing those things. And then Confirmed Kills was me kind of more as a woman saying – Here's what we do, here's why, and here's why we aren't wrong Mm. versus just making fun of. I really felt as an artist evolving, if I don't dive deeper into this and side with women on this and stand up for them versus just make fun together Mm. and explain it to people. People are curious about the way women work. And when I explain it versus just be like, yeah, girls are drunk and crazy, it gives a certain level of education to it. Mm -hmm. And so in this next special... There's still commentary on that. I got I've 
gotten engaged since. So that kind of changes your perspective. Mm-hmm. I, whether it's right or wrong or whatever your experience is, the point of your art, the point of existing is to evolve and to yeah. learn. Yeah. No matter what it is. And to convey that vulnerably and say, you know what? I said something maybe at times that I didn't mean or didn't fully understand or was something that I should have been saying at that time and place in my life. And I wouldn't do it now. Like, would you dress the way you did in high school now? God, no. Actually, maybe it'd be dope. I used to try to... Okay, when Kanye first came out, he did that super, super duper, like, prep look. Yeah. Polo, everything. I had to do that for a few years. Sure. No. That's eternally okay, though. Yeah, the, the right. Three pink polos with all the collars popped. It's a lot. It's a lot. No one could ever pull it off. Even he didn't. It was like, yeah, what? You're was... hot. You're going to be warm. <laughs> but yeah, we evolve. And yeah. I think a big problem in our society, <laughs> among yeah. many, is... We don't give people a chance to evolve. To, to evolve and to be like, I may not be fully woke now, but I knew something. My big, I, I talk about this on stage actually. The, it's woke has become a thing where it's just white people trying to outwoke other white people. A woke black off. people, yeah. Black people, I've been saying calling it a woke off, <laughs> and black people have been like, we knew about this forever. Come like, on, black folks just like we're woke, but we're just tired. Tired, and I, you know what? I don't, frankly, I don't blame you. Uh, but it's just become other like white people being like, actually, it's pronounced torta. Like, shut <laughs> up, Chad. You don't know. But also, we have to give people the room to say, I didn't know that before. And my big explanation, and nobody ever wants to laugh, but I'm right. I'm like, five years ago, you didn't know why. You didn't know you couldn't touch a black girl's hair. You're like, oh, hair. And now you know why. So you're that much more evolved. And that's a good development. It's a good development. And you can acknowledge that you didn't know five years ago. I didn't ago. know. And you grow. And you say, I'm sorry, I didn't mean it. And, you know, if you don't change it, then that's ignorance. Yes. Willful ignorance. Yes. You yes. cannot be apologetic for who you are, where you're from, what you were raised with, poor, rich, whatever color you are, that is you. But if you do not step outside of your own bubble, of your own suburb, of your own city, and try to see things from other people's perspective, no matter whose it is, yeah. then you're part of the problem. Yes. One of the things I noticed about your comedy, you talk a lot about things that are sociopolitical, but you don't really get into partisan politics too mm-hmm. much. Is that a conscious choice? I think it's just an outpour of who I am and what I am. Yeah. Uh, I I think we all have to be political now. Oh, yeah. And your social choices are political, mm-hmm. but I do think that there's a way to distill the social aspect without getting into politics because I can sort of have my social agenda without telling you yours is wrong. Mm. And I have an audience, and I don't know who's in that audience, and... My passion in life is not politics. Okay. Um, there are people who do it way better than me. And especially in L.A., I, I don't know. You better be – if you're going to do something political, like truly political, you're mm-hmm. naming names, you're mm-hmm. talking – you better like come correct with that because yes. too many people do it. <laughs> I, was at the, I was at a show the other night and some guy gets on stage and just starts ranting. And it was super liberal. Like we all agree. But I was like, I don't need this education from you. Yeah. I don't yeah. need to, you know, if I do this, I'm going to turn to someone like a trusted news source. Yes. Yeah. But this is the thing, like so many comics in this current political climate kind of think that they're journalists now. Yeah. And I'm not sure how I feel about it <laughs> as a journalist. F- fair enough. I don't think the world needs another person talking about uh, that's like me, liberal, talking about politics. But I do think if you talk about it from a social aspect, you get more people listening because social things directly apply to you. Yeah. Political things, you're like, okay, it was House, Senate, Judiciary, Committee, what? what? Yeah. Social things do affect you. So your politics affect your social environment. Yeah. And that I can comment on because I live in it. Uh-huh, uh-huh. <laughs> we got like five more minutes. Um, tell me Blanche's creation story. Okay. <laughs> uh, she's, at a do- she's a rescue dog. I got her. I remember 
Facebook just reminded me that it had been, I think, seven years since Aww. I got her. Maybe eight. I think it was eight. I don't know. She's such a cutie. She When I got her, her hair was very short, and mm-hmm. I picked her up, and I... I had fantasized that I would go to the rescue place and they'd have a Pomeranian for me and I would take home this angel of a dog. And she was Pomeranians there. Pomeranians might not be angels. Oh, their faces and their noses and their, and their bodies. <laughs> and I picked her up and she wrapped her little arm around my arm oh. and she kind of just looked at me and I was like, you know what? This is horrible. The guy told me she was old and I was like, I'll take her because whatever. She sucks. Yeah. She dies. Uh, and it turned out she wasn't old. She was a puppy Aww. and he was an idiot. Yeah. Uh, and I got her home and I just fell in love with her as we all do with our dogs. Yes. And then her hair grew out, and I was like, who is this Linda Evangelista <laughs> dog woman staring at me? She knows her angles. She knows when to pose. And this face, like... The face, though. Launched a thousand cameras. Hashtag that face, though. So you take her to all your shows. She's been in all your Netflix specials. You bring her out on stage. I bring. Her, I used to bring her out. I don't bring her out okay. anymore. Okay. But, but I did bring her out. And she starts the show. She runs across mm-hmm. the stage. With, like, a red little tail behind her. She had her, her own... I had a, a gown made for her. <laughs> This, by the way, like, and it's so easy, like, oh, crazy dog lady. Look, she's the best. We love our pets. I started bringing her because I wanted a dog on the road. Yeah. You're on the road. You're alone. You need company. She's easy to carry. Yeah. Well-behaved. Quiet. Like, why wouldn't you bring this stunning creature with you? And people get mad. They're like, you bring your dog everywhere. I'm like, you're just jealous. You're jealous. That I brought her to Peter Luger's steakhouse last night (laughs) and fed her delicious steak. Uh, but she, she's a quiet one. She's just like, hey, boys. Oh, hi. You see the way other dogs look at her. She, like, scutt- scuttles by and they're like, hey, how are you? She's like, excuse me, got to get to tea. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I think Blanche wants to get the hell out of here. Thank hey, you, Sam. this was a joy. Thank a you delight. very much. I really appreciate it. Appreciate so much fun. You. Thanks for your time. I know Bye-bye. it took a long time. Bye-bye. Eliza Schlesinger. So nice to talk to her. There's a photo of me and Eliza and Blanche. I tweeted it out like last week if you want to see her little face. Um, Eliza's new book is called Girl Logic, The Genius and the Absurdity. She's also on tour as well. Before we go, don't forget to share the best thing that happened to you all week for our Friday wrap. Just record the sound of your own voice. Send that file to me at samsanders at npr.org. That Friday wrap this week, by the way, will be hosted by my friend and NPR colleague. You probably know her, Sarah McCammon, NPR reporter. I'm taking a bit of time off, and I know that you'll be in great hands with Sarah. But I'll be back next week to talk with you all in a very special Thanksgiving edition of the show. All right, until then, thank you for listening. I'm Sam Sanders. Talk soon. Listener.